1: Welcome in, everybody, to Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. We have another 49ers win to talk about. They start 2-0. They beat the Philadelphia Eagles 17-11. to We're going to do some big-picture stuff with the game, just talk about it, things we observed, things we saw, and then... Uh, We're going to go back over our draft. The uh, players we each drafted to have big games and go back over and see who quote unquote won the second week of the season.
0: Hey, this is George Kittle and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles.
1: 18-yard Quick pass caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Chris, I've decided I need a line to end the little intro thing. Like, and now Pearl Jam. Yeah, except not lame <laughs> like that. Um, but, like, enjoy yeah, the show. <laughs> I hear you. Dumb. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure but, it no, out. One of we'll, my we'll, – send, send me potential lines to say. Sure. I'm just – like get into it is a different podcast I listen to by a comedian. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great one. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm more, I'm going to workshop some and you'll see, you know, is the, as, as I go through these intros, I might start throwing some just a, you know, it might be a movie quote. It might be a song lyric. It might just be something I heard at work that day
2: that I decided to use. So
1: if, if it's a song there's...
2: lyric, we can get, I, I already have things percolating. Oh, Things are percolating. <laughs> things things are percolating. Well, let's let's get into this game because yeah. we're we're a day late on this one and, and I think we both have some interesting thoughts. So the 49ers defense,
1: that's where I want to start. I know a lot of the conversation surrounded the quarterback with the way Jimmy Garoppolo and the offense as a whole struggled early on. So we'll get into that, but we're gonna put a pin in it for a moment because my big concern going into week two was what their defense looked like against the Lions. The Lions got basically whatever they wanted in the run game, and their pass defense without Jerry without Jason Verrett kind of fell apart a little bit. Josh Norman got the start across from Diamador Lenore. Javon Kinlaw was back in the middle. And I thought defensively it was night and day from week one against a team that may not be I don't know. I think the Lions and the Eagles might kind of be in the same tier offensively, but the Eagles have a ton of playmakers that can just kind of flip a game if there's one blown coverage. And I thought the Niners for the most part, save for the 91 yarder to, to to Quez Watkins, that D'Amador Lenore gave up. I thought the defense for the most part was really, really excellent for uh, effectively all of the game.
2: Yeah, I would agree. They they made the plays when they need to, when they needed to, they, you know, the secondary I thought played particularly well uh, on, on those deep passes. Jakowski Tart had a deep pass breakup. Jimmy Ward had a deep pass breakup. Um, Lenore was uh, a little bit lucky on that Jalen Rager touchdown that got called back because he stepped out of bounds, but I did mm-hmm. think Rager did a good job of sealing off Um, um, that sideline over there, that sort of forced Rager to step out of bounds and and the 49ers did get lucky, right? Like the Eagles very much showed their inexperience in that game, Mm -hmm. whether it was first year play caller, Nick Sirianni, second year quarterback, Jalen Hurts, um, all their skill guys with the exception of Miles Sanders and their tight ends are super young, right? So like you could say, well, Jalen Rager, if he's more experienced, probably doesn't step out of bounds there. Right. And, and, you know, the Philly special thing was just laughably bad. And that was so it wasn't it wasn't so much the play call as much as just the execution, because as soon as the play started, you knew what was happening. Yes. Like it everybody was just, on the 49ers defense knew what was happening it, as soon as like as soon as they do the reverse. It's like, oh, it's Philly special. And then Jalen Hurts is the only option over there. Yeah. Like they didn't have anybody else. And so um, that was just the 49ers got a little bit lucky by by playing the Eagles um I- in their infancy of this new coaching regime but yeah the, the defense did play really well they sort of um you know they snapped back into what they're good at like they were they were stretched a little bit in the running game and then they sort of snapped back I think some of that came with Javon Kinlaw coming back I think their linebackers were just better in their run fits and I think mm-hmm. Fred Warner talked about it during the week like just wanting to play with a completely different mentality and look in the Lions game I didn't think it was so much like an execution thing as much as it was an emotional thing like I think the team was just emotionally shell shocked after what happened to Jason Brett. Sure. Um, so I, I think that played a big part of it. They let their foot off the gas against Detroit and they didn't do any of that um, against the Eagles. So in a sense, it was a good lesson for the 49ers to learn early on. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the defense was good, but they did get a little bit lucky. Like, if if that long field goal wasn't so low, allowing Javon Kinlaw to block it, mm-hmm. like, that's three points the other way. If the maybe. Eagles, yeah, maybe. If the Eagles are competent, you know, like, a little bit more competent, then they probably do score after after the 91-yard completion, right? So, like, mm-hmm. I think it was a little bit of both. It was a Niners defense playing pretty well, playing, playing really well, I would say and then them being able to take advantage of a young and inexperienced Eagles team in the second game of a of a new coaching regime and a new play caller.
1: I think Nick Sirianni called the Philly special and like had his press conference answer ready in his head. Oh yeah. He was ready to run that play. He was going to run that play and he wanted it to work because it's his first game at Lincoln Financial Field. And he was so ready to be the coach that had the stones to call the Philly special. And it didn't work. did not work. And that's kind of funny to me as a person that does that sometimes where I'm like, Oh yeah, I know what I'm going to say when this thing works and then it doesn't. (laughs) So I relate very heavily. Um, No, I just thought particularly what they did in the secondary where the Eagles the Eagles in week one were all underneath everything. I think Quez Watkins' average depth of target was negative 2.3. Yeah, and they're all bubble screens to get Jalen Rager was was 1.2. So today de- you you mentioned it in the in our in our text thread during the game. Like they were they were dink and dunk week one, and then there were bombs away in week two. And the 49ers were for the most part again. The 91 yarder to Quez Watkins was not ideal, <laughs> but for the most part, they were equal to that task. You had Jaquaski Tart with a pass breakup down the field, with really nice coverage. Jimmy Ward had a nice pass breakup down the field. Uh, Diamador Lenore, you mentioned on the, on the Quez Watkins or the Jalen Rager play, sealing him off on the sideline. The Eagles were trying to generate these big plays on deep throws and they only got the one. And that's something that I thought that they were going to be able to get a little bit, whenever they wanted going into, going into Sunday.
2: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, the 49ers are, are, they played without both of their starting cornerbacks. And if you take away the 91 yard catch, which you can't necessarily do, but you take that away and Jalen hurts only has 99 yards passing for the entire game. So, um, you know, I, I, I think they, they did play really well. I think, and we can transition into the offense here, but I I think the way they were playing and the way the Eagles offense was playing allowed Kyle Shanahan to operate the game the way he did, because I think he saw early on that, okay, they're going to have a hard time scoring on us. So we can play more of that ball control, like just run it 38 times, no matter Mm -hmm. how effective it is because Kyle Shanahan is so tied to the correlation between run attempts and winning games. Right. Um, but defensively, like Nick Bosa had two sacks, right? Yeah. No. Um, they were much, two really def- big plays. They were much better defending the run. Fred Warner's making plays all over the place. Um, the safeties played really well. So I think that's that's definitely a good indicator. Um, you know, I, I think the 49ers are going to get challenged by better offenses for sure. Sure. Um, and I, I, like I said, I do think they benefited from from just the Eagles' relative inexperience and just the newness the, of, of, with everything that's going on there. But, no, they, they played exactly as well as they needed to. And to allow 11 points to a team that scored, what, 33 or whatever it was uh, mm-hmm. against Atlanta week one, I mean, it w- it w- they, the, the game plan was sound. I think it's a credit to D'Amico Ryans. I'm still a little bit leery of some of his blitzing. Um, a lot of blitzing a lot of blitzing particularly on third down and a lot of the blitzes were exploited by you know Jalen Hurts can just avoid the pass rush and then all of a sudden half the field's wide open and he can go get 15 yards scramble on the sidelines
1: I wrote about it going into the game the 49ers he was excellent against the blitz against Atlanta yeah his his yards per attempt when he was blitzed were like 10.6 and there were 5.7 when they didn't blitz him
2: Yeah. So it was just, I think one of the things that was really interesting to me about the game overall was like, you know, I I like pitting this team against the 2019 team just to, just to sort of catch the indicators and like trying to figure out how good they are. Exactly. There weren't, there was really like one or two rock fights that the 49ers had in 2019, right. Where it was Mm -hmm. just like a real defensive struggle. Um, where yards were really hard to come by, and that was a game in Washington where it was just like a monsoon with Mm -hmm. rain, right? They won nine to nothing, and the passing Mm -hmm. game was basically ineffective because nobody could grip a football. And then there was that Ravens game, which the weather was also an issue, but it was also just two running teams playing against each other, right? Um, but all the other games the 49ers had in 2019 were much more high scoring, were much more cleaner offensively, so it was real interesting just in the context of that trying to compare this team versus that team, because it just did look so different. And ultimately I think it's a really good sign that the 49ers can win in different ways, right? Like they can Mm -hmm. win when the offense looks really clean against Detroit. Um, The defense obviously let, let them down in the fourth quarter in that game, but they still won. Um, And then they were able to win like a rock fight after getting punched in the face in the first quarter. Mm -hmm. And um and you know, held the Eagles to to no points on that on that goal line stand and then blocking the field goal, like and basically dominating the second half, even though they weren't putting up a ton of points. Um, it was just an encouraging sign to me because you know they're two and zero, but they were able to do it in a way that we haven't really seen them do it before. Um, and we can talk about the offense, but I, I just you know, it was encouraging from that standpoint because not every game is going to be as clean as you want it to be. Mm-hmm. And this was just an opportunity for them to, to win something, uh, to just to win a really tough game. And and I think Fred Warner, what he said after the game was really telling you, was like the hardest ones are the ones that, that mean the most. And this was a really hard game for the 49ers. And we thought it would be coming in because the Eagles were super talented in the trenches, especially And so I think that's why the game was so tough. And ultimately I think the 49ers are better off for it because it's not a familiarized pattern, right? It's like, right. We had to win a rock fight on the road. Um, It's unlike, it's unlike how they won in 2019, which is interesting. So I want to use that to springboard
1: into talking about the offense and you talk about what it looked like in 2019. And I want to start with the quarterback because Jimmy Garoppolo started that game. It was, it was ugly. I think he was 3 of 7 for 19 yards. Uh, he missed a couple of screens. Well, he missed one screen. Debo Samuel dropped another one. Um, but he missed it.
2: Debo, he was like falling all over himself.
1: Yeah, it was weird. It was he was, he, it was he like looked, there was he pressure really where rattle. he
2: wasn't expecting it to be. He looked really rattled to
1: me. Yeah. And on. then he, he missed a third down throw to Muhammad Sanu on an out where Sanu was wide open. He just missed him. He missed Brandon Ayuk. Uh, deep down the field on a play that that might have gone for a lot of yards that he completed it um so he just didn't look good he was three of seven for 19 yards and then didn't start the second quarter particularly well that and was you... a...
2: sorry that was the first time uh in the kyle shanahan era that they didn't get a first down in the first three series
1: yeah yeah three three and out the first time they've done that since week 10 of 2016 during that phenomenal chip kelly year. yeah so so, yeah, it was it was as bad as it's been under Kyle Shanahan, and you started to see the rumblings. Hey, what, what, how long's the leash? Do you take it? And to Garoppolo's credit, he finished the game 19 of 23 for 170 over the final three quarters with a touchdown and just kind of did the Jimmy Garoppolo thing. And that's why Sunday's game was not a surprise. We know that this is what's coming from Jimmy Garoppolo. It's why they're going to move off of him. But he's the starter this year. They're going to live with the halves of football where it's like, man, does this guy, like? he doesn't quite have it today. Yeah. But he eventually figures it out, and he had it, and he had some key first downs on QB sneaks. He had a touchdown on a QB sneak, and they just kind of put it together and figured out a way to win. They can't win every week if is going to play like he did on Sunday. But you know those games are coming. That, that wasn't news to the 49ers that Garoppolo was going to have a game like that.
2: Yeah, I agree. I I think. I think he was bad early on, but he settled in. And I think the throw that really changed things was the 40 yard completion of Debo Samuel on that post where he Mm -hmm. fit it right between two guys, hit Samuel in stride. He had the long catch and run. It was on that 90 yard, the first 90 yard scoring drive at the end of the half. And it came after the Philly special play. And then the 49ers went into halftime with the lead and you're like, all right, they're, they're in a pretty good spot, all things Mm -hmm. considered. Um, And I think, you know, ultimately Kyle Shanahan mentioned like nobody on the offense was playing really well. It wasn't just Garoppolo. Like, right. The offensive line was not playing well early on. The Eagles were doing whatever they wanted in the trenches up front. And I think a lot of that just had to do with the energy in their home opener um the crowd noise like this was the first time the 49ers i I guess since detroit (laughs) but this was like a real home field advantage that the 49ers walked into right um so i think that it was a confluence of factors but it was that jimmy garoppolo just didn't look comfortable at all and when jimmy garoppolo is just sailing wide open guys to me that's a telltale sign that he's not comfortable yeah. Let alone like almost falling over when he's not even getting pressured and throwing a screen right to, to Debo right. Samuel, the one that that Samuel dropped. Um, and so it was, you know, like, I, I think just because of the way the 49ers defense was playing and knowing that the Eagles offense probably isn't spectacular. Kyle Shanahan was willing to live with. Some you know, a bad start from Garoppolo knowing that, okay, we need to make some adjustments. We need to call more screens and short passes. We need to negate the pass rush a little bit. We need to do some stuff that might not have been in the initial game plan. Mm -hmm. And then that might be able, that that might be the thing that settles Jimmy Garoppolo down. And so I think that's what Kyle Shanahan did. And, And Alex Mack said it after the game, the Eagles defensive front were doing things that they didn't expect based on what they saw against Atlanta. So there was there was a lot of in-game adjustments happening um, and that might have led that that might have been a, a really big factor into how bad they were just in the first quarter um, and look the, the foundation of the 49ers offense is running the ball mm-hmm. you know if they're able to run the ball then that sets up play action that sets up everything else they want to do the 49ers had zero success running the ball um, or at least early on and then they then they just decided to stick to it um, but no I, I think in terms of the quarterback thing, Trey Lance probably just doesn't have the equity right now in Kyle Shanahan's mind to say, all right, we need to win this game. The offense isn't moving at all. Let's throw him in there for a change of pace. So I understand why he wouldn't just want to go to Trey Lance because the offensive line was getting its ass beat. Right. So you don't want to put a rookie quarterback behind an offensive line. That's just getting beat because that's, That's how you stunt a guy's development, or that's how you can potentially harm a young quarterback.
1: Well, and and just in this game, in a game that tight, you have a rookie quarterback in a situation where he's going to be pressured and rushed in a way that he's never been pressured or rushed before. And now you've got him making a rookie mistake where you have a turnover that swings the game.
2: Right, exactly. exactly. Like a pick six for the Eagles probably wins it for him.
1: That's or just cool. a fumble, like on a yeah. botched exchange. It gives him a short field. There was just never a point where it was like, yeah, Trey Lance is the answer here.
2: Yeah, but I will say, like, if they didn't have the 90-yard drive going into halftime, and it was and basically what happened with the second quarter, I think it would have been completely fair to just stick Trey Lance in there just for a different look, just to try something else. Sure. Because if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to miss wide-open guys – then what's the point of even having him out there, right? And he did settle down, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And some of that might have had to do with the defense just taking the crowd out of the game.
1: Well, and I think that's that's something with Garoppolo, too, to kind of zoom away from, zoom out of the, the Week 2 thing. I can think of one game where he never settled in. Which one? And it was that Monday night game against the Seahawks. In week 10 of 2019, he just never looked comfortable in that game. That's another game where their offensive line got their asses. Worked. Yeah, So I think Shanahan knows that Garoppolo is going to, like, that's one of the things he's very good at. Like after he throws an interception, he's really good coming back. And I think Shanahan knew eventually he would get in a rhythm and to, to his credit, he did. And, and like I said, I don't think this is news to the 49ers. Like I don't think anybody was hitting the panic button. They kind of know that this is what you get with Garoppolo. And that's why, like I said, that's why they're moving off of him because you're going to get these games like this, where he's going to play and he's, you're going to get the win, but it's, it's going to be, you know, a little bit of a struggle under center.
2: Yeah. And I, I think that's one of Kyle Shanahan's strengths too, is identifying early on what kind of game it is. Mm -hmm. yeah right because there are games there are games when you know it's like the saints game in 2019 where you're like in the first quarter you're like all right rip (laughs) yeah we need to score 48 points to win this game. yeah versus well if we get to 20 we're probably in good shape right right like I, i think shanahan has a good feel and and i don't know you know how much is that of that he he can predetermine before the game or um just getting a feel for it as the game's happening But I think that's one of his strengths as a coach, like early on in the game, you can say, all right, if we get to this point and our defense is playing at this level, like we don't need 35 points. And I I also think there's an element too where, look, it's a 17 game season and we, we sort of talk about it every year, maybe after the fact. But like with the way preseason is and starters not getting a whole lot of time. Like the first month of the season is an extension of the preseason, some of these coaches' minds.
1: Yeah, they'll absolutely. N-
2: they'll never admit it, but I think that's that's an element as to why Kyle Shanahan did not get deep in his bag of plays, right? Like he's not running a reverse with the receiver throwing to a running back downfield like that Saints game. He's not pulling right. out all the stops. He's not and – and I think – Some of that is because, well, I don't trust the offensive line to protect in these situations, Mm -hmm. but also like, hey, it's September. We can probably beat this team with a very vanilla offense. Let's just do that and then keep a bunch of stuff in our back pocket that we can unleash later against a better team. And like, I think that's a pretty big part of it, too, is just that like Kyle Shanahan saw how the defense was playing, saw how the Eagles offense was making mistakes. Then realizing like, okay, I don't I don't need I don't need every trick in the book to to win this game. And that that might also be a reason why he didn't want to play Trey Lance.
1: Not to transitions are weird. Uh, Debo Samuel has been incredible.
2: Yeah. Yes. I didn't think
1: that he was going to be like this. The like, leading I didn't, receiver
2: in the NFL after two weeks? <laughs>
1: yeah, like, I I, I I, wanted to word that carefully because I thought Debo's a really good player. But what he's done just in all three levels of the passing game through the first two weeks is just not something I really foresaw coming from, from him in this offense.
2: Yeah. Totally like, I thought agreed. that was going
1: to be the Brandon a- IU role, and Debo has just been yeah. uh, remarkable. I wanted to note that because I, I don't think you can talk about this game and what the 49ers did offensively without noting you know, you mentioned the forty-yard uh, completion to help set up their first touchdown. In fact, shout out to Juwan Jennings as well, who had his first career catch and first career touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Debo also had a really nice catch on a on a third and short, where Garoppolo had to fit a ball in a tight window, and he he snatched it out of the air as he's getting hit. Um, and this is with you know Brandon Ayuk one catch for six yards, although he way out snapped Trent Sherfield, like thirty eight to twenty four. Yeah, and that's what that's what I said. I'm buying Brandon
2: you stock if anybody's selling. Because yeah. I think the targets are going to be there. I, I agree. There's going to be a game coming up where the third option is going to be the one that Kyle Shanahan goes to more. Yeah. Like, it's going to be part of the game plan. Like, mm-hmm. a defense is going to try to take away Samuel and take away George Kittle. And then Brandon, I going to be the beneficiary. Right. That's going to happen.
1: And I think that's just how it's going to go. I don't think this is an offense that it's going to be Oh, Debo had 118 yards and George Kittle had nine catches and two touchdowns. And Ayuk had 98 yards on five. Ca- it's just not that kind of offense. I don't think.
2: Yeah. And I do wonder, uh, cause there, there was a lot of discussion about George Kittle after the game and, and just not getting him involved in the passing game. Um, that I think is an interesting wrinkle, and I would love to to be in the position or the the offensive meeting rooms to figure this out because I would have given George Kittle a lot more run in the passing game. I know he was a very prominent part of the game plan just based on how he was being used in the running game. And, and mm-hmm. I do think he got nicked up a little bit early That on the first Jimmy Garoppolo sneak, I think, in the first quarter, maybe the second quarter like kittle came out of the pile with a pretty pronounced limp right and you noted it in the text chain like after after he had a first down catch on that screen he didn't do his little no fear celebration thing that he usually does with the first down Mm -hmm. and i you know i think he does that he that didn't happen because he was feeling a little bit nicked up um whether it had to be or whether it was like that's total speculation but total speculation but I mean, Kittle plays through a lot of stuff, but it looked like something with his right leg or right ankle or something.
1: Well, and it felt like the entire game, they were doing a lot of those tosses, right? Those tosses. It felt like they were setting up the fake throwback to Kittle, who's wide open running against a linebacker or something. Right. And they just never, never went to it. And that's the thing is Shanahan's, they're not going to force feed George Kittle. It's not going to be, hey, we're throwing it to number 85, 15 times whether he's open or not it's okay the Eagles the Juwan Jennings touchdowns a great example yeah. Kittle runs an in-breaking route Juwan Jennings runs an outbreaking route and three defenders go with Kittle right and Jennings is all alone with nobody within 15 yards of him yeah and Shanahan's going to take that throw to Jennings because that's going to get a touchdown right um I should say Garoppolo is going to take that throw to Jennings uh so I don't I'm not if if George Kittle is going four for 17 for the next six weeks, like, okay, then let's, let's talk about it. But it's not, it's not even a concern right now for me.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's playing well, but yeah, it's, you know, it, it, it is a little bit for Kittle. He's had four catches in each of the last two games, um, nine targets total. So he's caught eight of nine targets so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe there's just, you know, maybe this Packers game is going to be the one where, you know, he has he has a big Kittle game, right? Where it's mm-hmm. eight catches, one yard touchdown and, you know, right. 170 yards receiving or whatever. Like that's that's very possible. That could really happen at any point. Right. Um, but I, I think the, the broader point is that when this offense is peaking, George Kittle is having those kinds of games. Right. It's not. Yeah, that's fair it's not, you know, four catches for 17 yards, right? So, uh, so I wonder how much of it was just Kyle Shanahan's stubbornness and to stick with the running game as much as he did versus the Eagle, the Eagles, like, bracketing him at all times, which I would imagine that's happening, right? Like, if you're a, if you're a defensive coordinator and you're playing the 49ers, the first thing you got to do in the passing game, aside from just hit Jimmy Garoppolo as much as possible, is stop George Kittle so you know that like and and that could be a reason why Samuel's been getting off lately like so I'm just interested to see how that evolves right and I expect Kittle to have a big game at some point but if this continues if this trend continues then it's then it's worth asking the question like what's what's happening here because like you probably need to figure out more ways to get your all pro tight end open
1: yeah and and it's going to be what's happening here if they keep scoring 17 points a game yeah. But if they're going to hang up 30 points a game and, and a side effect of that is if they're going to hang up 40 points a game and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and Jawan Jennings and Trent Sherfield are all catching touchdowns and teams are just going to continue to take out George Kittle, like then that's what it's going to be. George Kittle's not going to have a huge year. Right. But like you said, I think the best version of this offense is one where he's getting open and they're getting in the ball. And I do anticipate that coming at some point
2: yeah i would agree um you want to hit a break yeah let's hit a break and we can talk talk about about our draft talk about our
1: draft yeah you would want to talk about it (laughs) 49ers football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets anymore you know why because tick pick that's t-i-c-k-p-i-c-k is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. See, what TickPick did is they got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge. That's why I don't go to those sites anymore because those fees are ridiculous. It allows Pick to guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. You don't believe me? You can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site. If you can do that, Pick will give you 110% of the difference In the purchase price, the 49ers open with two games on the road, but they are back at Levi stadium, September 26th. It's a Sunday night football game at home against the Packers. My mom, my mom has already gotten her ticket. She goes with her friends. I don't have a ticket yet. I'm going to go to tickpick.com and get my tickets there because I'm not going to be charged service fees. I'm going to get the best possible price. And that's what your boy is looking for. I'm going to go enjoy the atmosphere. It's going to be electric. I can't wait to be there. And you should be there too. So visit TickPick.com slash Candlestick today and use the promo code Candlestick to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. Do that right now. And we will see you at Levi Stadium on September
0: 26th. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Okay, so in our preview episode for the Eagles game, we did a draft of the... We each picked three players, and it was the players that we thought would have a good game for the 49ers against the Eagles. So we went, me first, Chris second... I had picks one, three, and five. Chris had picks two, four, and six. Yep. So my first pick was the guy we were just talking about, George Kittle. And he had four catches for 17 yards, but he was featured, like you said, very prominently as a run blocker. And was just, he's really good at that. That's something that I don't think is ever going to be really in question. We might say, oh, where was he in the passing game today? But I don't think, I don't think we're going to m- ever miss George Kittle as a run blocker. Uh, when watching the game D-
2: did we mention in that preview pod what Kittle did in the game last year against Eagles I don't think so
1: yeah it was a lot I, of
2: yards he, he, he caught I'm, I'm going through the game logs right now he caught all 15 of his targets in that game and I didn't really remember it until I was watching the game Sunday I was like oh yeah Kittle yeah here it is 15 catches 183 yards on 15 targets against, and they lost and they <laughs> lost that game um so i was you know the eagles linebackers are not good Um right. i don't think their safeties are very good either but right. so that so i think that's why it was so surprising was just yeah that, right we've seen well that's Hiddell why he was the first pick yeah yeah i didn't but, realize
1: that i didn't remember it being 15 for 15 but those
2: combination blocks that George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk do on those outside runs are just like, it's, I, I, I mean, I watch the 49ers closer than any other team, obviously, but I don't know if anybody else in the league is really doing it or at least like at that level. Well, how many teams have have a, you, you have a pitch to one side, George Kittle goes out there blocks a guy and then Kyle Juszczyk comes up Kittle passes him off to use check continues blocking him. And then Kittle goes to the next level like I, and blocks another guy.
1: Well, how many, it's it's just, it's how many tight ends are capable of doing that? First of all, how many, how many tight ends in the league are capable of doing that?
2: Not many. Like he just walls off defensive ends. And like, if he, if you're a linebacker and he gets his hands on you, like there's a very good chance you're just getting pancaked.
1: Yeah, it's and then and then you have Kyle Yuschek. There's teams that don't even employ a, a fullback, and you have Kyle Juszczyk who's capable of doing that.
2: So, um, yeah, no, good game for George Kittle, not his best though, not his best. So, you took Kittle. I I think he had a good game aside from the receiving numbers. Yeah, um, so my f- uh, first pick, second overall was uh Nick Bosa, and he had two sacks and was excellent he was great he was dominant yeah he I mean that dude I don't know if there's really a whole lot to talk about it's a yeah. good Eagles offensive line Nick Bosa dominates like I know Fred Warner is the best player in the 49ers defense in large part because of the leadership the intelligence getting everybody sure. lined up um, the reliability the fact that he's made every single start in his career
1: I'm gonna make a comparison.
2: Go ahead. But Bosa is the more transformational player. Can I put it this way? Than Warner. It reminds me a
1: little bit, not an exact comparison. So don't don't come at me. It's not an exact comparison, but this is how I kind of view it with Warner and Bosa. Warner to me is like Draymond Green on okay. like the 2015 and 16 Warriors. And Nick Bosa is like Stephen Curry, where Stephen Curry is the better, like the best player, transformational, like teams have to game plan for him. And if he has a great game, then the 49ers slash Warriors, we're going to have a great game. Right. But Fred Warner is the quote unquote heartbeat of the defense, the emotional leader, making sure everybody knows where they need to be going. Um. I, that's that's the comparison I draw and while also being a really good multifaceted uh player who is an all pro and and excellent at his position but that's that's kind of the comparison I draw when trying yeah. to say you know who the best player the most important player stuff like that
2: yeah so I, I think when I think about Fred Warner and Nick Bosa I think about like Patrick Willis and then the addition of Alden Smith in 2011 Mm. right because like the Niners defense was pretty solid in 2010 Patrick Willis was making plays all over the place he was he had been to multiple Pro Bowls at that point but really what took the defense to a completely different level was Alden Smith and what he did as a pass rusher off the edge and just how much he speeds up quarterbacks And how that impacts how quarterbacks play against the defense. And then that it just goes to a completely different level. And so, yeah, I think Nick Bosa is just like Fred Warner, super important. But Nick Bosa is the guy that really changes things for the defense, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, a a thousand percent. When when he went down with an injury last year, it was like, how does this defense get stops now? What they did. They're still they, pretty good. They, yeah, they're still they were still they still weren't bad. But the that's why Robert bet- Saul is a head coach now.
2: Yeah, but the difference between being a really solid defense and being a potentially elite defense right. is Nick Bosa.
1: If Nick Bosa plays the rest of these fifteen games the way he played against Philadelphia, the Forty Nine ers are going to have a top eight defense. Yeah, potentially. Um, don't don't fence it.
2: Bring a take. I just want to. I, I want to <laughs> see how their cornerbacks match no, that's, that's up against fair. the Seahawks and the Rams and the that's Cardinals and right. the Packers. And I, ju- I just, need, I need to see that. Um, don't, don't guy... yuck
1: my yum. What's that? I said, don't yuck my yum.
2: I have never heard that before.
1: Oh, okay. There we go. Moving on. on. Uh, I don't know what it's from. It's just the thing I've heard, but it's okay. been like older people who have said it. So I think it's not a TikTok thing. Got it. Okay. So uh, number three, I'm really proud of this pick. It was Jimmy Ward. Yep. Jimmy Ward was really good. He had a downfield pass breakup. The play of the game from from him though, for me, was the third goal, the third and goal play yep. on the Eagles uh on the on the Niners goal line stand after the Eagles had the 91 yard completion. They did a zone read where Hertz and Miles Sanders both went to the right. And then Hertz pulled it and Sanders acted as the lead blocker. Yeah. And Jimmy Ward before the play was calling it out, was was telling everybody to get to that side, and uh, Aziz Al-Shire broke through and kind of kind of forced Hertz to get wider than I think he wanted, and then Jimmy Ward flew through and knocked him out of bounds short of the goal line to set up the fourth down where the Philly special happened. Um, so yeah, Jimmy Ward was was really really good. Six tackles, um, a pass breakup for him. I thought he was uh, terrific,
2: and that personal foul called on him at the end oh, of the game it was bad like i get it the quarterback's going out of bounds but if you hit him before he steps out of bounds like before his foot actually goes out of bounds that should not be a penalty and right. it wasn't can... like he hit him high and it wasn't like he hit him particularly hard it was it's just like the the thing was the thing the problem with it that i had was the referee saying after the play was over right personal foul like the play wasn't over. He was still running forward and he had not stepped out of bounds. Here's the thing that,
1: that frustrates me on those. This happens like not just to the 49ers. This is a frustration I have with that call in general, Yeah, because Russell Wilson did this. He ran up to a defender and then started like, like feigned, like he was going to slide. So the defender stands up and then Wilson stands up and keeps running.
2: Right. And so, you can just bait defenders into doing that right. and hitting you, and it's a 15-yard penalty every time.
1: Right they, On the broadcast, they are like, that's a smart play. But, <laughs> man, really? That's, that's what we're going to – So yeah. if you're a quarterback, run to the sideline, and right as you get hit, step out of bounds. Yeah. And that's – I don't – I try really hard not to be the, you know, focus on a bad call guy, but yeah. that was bad.
2: Yeah, especially if Jimmy you're was- doing it on your own sideline where you're going to get 80 guys calling for the flag immediately. Yeah,
1: right. That's yeah, lame.
2: Um, but yeah, good game for Jimmy Ward.
1: Um, oh, this is a tough one.
2: Next guy, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, was the fourth pick overall, my second pick. Um, like I said, I think he was rattled early on. Uh, I think he was struggling with the pass rush, like, you can tell when Jimmy Garoppolo does not have faith in the blockers in front of him. Mm-hmm. And I think particularly at right guard, like Daniel Brunskill was just getting his lunch taken by, by really Javon bad. Hargrave. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo feels that. And you can see it just by how frenetic he can be in the pocket and how he just cannot hit open throws. Mm-hmm. So he settled down. Um, he was good enough. Uh, He did scramble and make some plays. I I think Garoppolo's scrambling and and the overall impact that had on the game might be overstated. I think he is really good at quarterback sneaks. Like if you were to ask me what Jimmy Garoppolo's best skill is, like the one you could count on to be like really good, it's quarterback sneaks. And Kyle Shanahan said it after the game. It's that Garoppolo's been successful on all 11 of his quarterback sneaks. Sneaks since yeah. coming the 49ers and he had what four of them
1: yeah four of them three for first downs one for a touchdown
2: and they got really lucky on the last one because that was definitely a delay game and garoppolo could have also been called for a false start for like leaning forward before he even got the snap yeah um so they did get a little bit lucky there but uh garoppolo is good at that and that basically helped them win the game um but Do you know what I don't buy?
1: Game. I don't buy this whole he just wins. He figures out how to win. Like I guess, but if he plays that way against the Packers on Sunday night, the 49ers are going to lose by a lot.
2: Yeah, if he plays that way in a game where his defense isn't playing well, like that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, think he was
1: just okay. Like he was if you know how, you know how wins above replacement works, 0.0, yeah. 0. 0 is the baseline. He's a 0.0 war quarterback. Yes. on Sunday,
2: like he was just, he didn't there turn were it over two or three balls. that should have been picked the, the high one to Ayuk with Josh yeah. sweat, just, just in his face um, that easily could have been picked. I think a defender even got his hands on it. Mm-hmm. Um, the one he was also pressured on the one where he kind of floated it out there to Debo Samuel on the left. Mm-hmm. Uh, that yeah. probably yeah. should have been picked samuel did a good job to to keep that was going to be a pick six defender. yeah um so we did have some of those throws and those those are the throws that are really the indicator right
0: yeah because like yeah, when he's...
2: garoppolo's humming he's hitting guys in stride it's it mm-hmm. looks like that debo samuel 40 yard catch where he fit it between two guys i
1: will say this for him two 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 things one he's still He looks again, I don't want to overblow the, the mobility factor, but just in terms of evading the pass rush and not taking sacks, he's much better at that this year than he was last year. And in 2019 coming off the ACL. So I'll give him credit there. And you mentioned the the throws that should have been picked. He has avoided the just awful throw to the linebacker where it's, you're wondering what he was looking at. Right.
2: And also like, we mentioned, or I, I know I mentioned in, in multiple places, like one of the things that really stuck out to me about Garoppolo from week one was that he just played so much better than he had in other week ones. Yes, this looked more like a Jimmy Garoppolo week one game.
1: Here, I, you you were talking about 2019. I pulled this up. In 2019 through his first two games, Tampa Bay and Cincinnati. Again, this is coming off the ACL. He was
2: really good against Cincinnati. It was like the the Lions game was the Cincinnati almost, game. Almost this one was
1: almost yeah. to a T.
2: So, in 2019, he was 35 of 52, 67.3%,
1: 462 yards, four touchdowns, two picks. This year, 39 of 55, that's 70.9%, 503 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Yeah. He's a little better this season. Not turning the ball over, which has been key.
2: Yeah, and he doesn't go – it it doesn't go very often where Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have picks in multiple games, yep. like consecutive games. Um yep. All right. pick, this Fitz is my pick. hipster pick.
1: Your hipster Alex Mack. pick. Yeah. Swing and a miss by me. I got cute. He didn't allow a pressure. Yeah, but I, I, I said it. I was worried about Daniel Brunskill and could Alex Mack be a difference maker in helping Brunskill out against a really good defensive line? And he... I was expecting at some point in the game to be like, man, Alex Mack is... Putting on a clinic. No, I just never really, just never really did that. I don't think he was bad. I I'm not saying he had a bad game, but I was anticipating a couple of plays that I would be able to point to when we did this segment. I went on this
2: play, he did this, and I just got nothing. He was great on the quarterback sneaks. Boy, was he! <laughs> four for four on quarterback sneaks. So the so center's got to be doing something, out. right?
1: Guys, he, he uses that barrel chest, and no, God.
2: Uh, no fumbled snaps, right?
1: Yeah. It's huge,
2: so that's an improvement
1: in the Philly Heat,
2: yeah, and all that sweat. sweat. Um, all right, last pick was a guy I had, uh, Debo Samuel. Um, was all right he led the team in receiving for the second straight week, uh, six catches on eight targets, 93 yards, no touchdowns this time. But he's the NFL's leading receiver at the moment with 282 yards through two games. Do you know um, how I know
1: Debo Samuel's really good? because every time he catches the ball it's like oh shit he's gonna score.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's he's he like kind of runs funny for a fast guy. Yeah, like like these really short steps. Yeah, like he doesn't pick his knees up super high and he's not like a glider by any stretch, mm-hmm. but he's he's fast enough. Yeah. Um he's a good player, man. He's a really 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 good player. Oh. Um
1: before we get out of here Can we talk about the running back injuries real quick? Yeah. 49ers last drive is a little bit of a disaster on that front. Elijah Mitchell has the shoulder stinger, shoulder issue. Um, Trey Sermon got his first carry of the year and got whacked really bad in the head. Uh, Happy to hear Kyle Shanahan today say that there's no neck issues, which was, I think, a very legitimate concern the way he got hit.
2: I think Um, Niners players were upset with the way... um the eagles defender hit him i think that's why kyle shannon sort of ran onto the field and started yelling at people yeah while sermon was down because like i think they were they were barking at the defender for for how that went down
1: yeah i mean he led with his head on a player that was prone in the air that's diving forward yeah um it was a good run though yeah he looked looked really explosive and picked up eight yards um, before he got hit, so he's in concussion protocol now. And then Jamichael Hasty, high ankle sprain, he's going to be out for a while. Um, the Niners are bringing in it's T.J. Yeldon, Duke Johnson, and Lamar Miller are the three running backs that they had in for visits or are having in for visits. And they have Carryon Johnson on the on the practice squad. It's a it's multiple people brought this up on twitter when i when i said that this is like a who's who of guys i thought were going to be awesome and just turned out to just kind of be just okay players um all these guys at some point were on my fantasy teams like all of these guys were the cutesy like waiver wire pickup like oh i'm gonna outsmart everybody this week
2: lamar miller was like a first round fantasy pick yeah he was really good a couple at, years at one ago point. for sure and i think carry on johnson had a
1: had a really impactful fantasy season at 1.2
2: yeah i think he had knee issues coming out of uh auburn auburn Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. um i liked him though as a player
1: i like duke johnson dude duke johnson was my go-to like over the offseason you write all these like hey here's all the free agents that are available the Niners should sign duke johnson was always on there yeah
2: yeah it's i go back and forth with running back injuries particularly how they pertain to the 49ers because they are good at getting production from a lot of different places right like if you have guys you can't really rely on which i think was the case in 2020 when it was jarek mckinnon and tevin coleman and they they could rely on mckinnon to play because he was only running back to appear in every game but from the standpoint of like um just i guess what i'm trying to say is like i i'm less worried about their running back injury issues because they can they have a way of plugging anybody in and getting, no, I get, I get that, getting enough. Like get he Mostert's but... a different level because of just how he impacts the game when he's playing sure. well. But like, if you deal with running back issues, like you could bring a bunch of these guys in, you can have a bunch of running backs on your practice squad. Like I, I ultimately it's... don't think it moves the needle a whole lot. If they don't have like a super healthy running back group.
1: I think it does when it goes from, like you said, it goes Mostert and then another tier below that.
2: Yeah. But
1: Elijah Mitchell, Jemichael Hasty, On Johnston, Duke Johnson, like all those guys, I think you're right. Can They can cobble together a run game. But at some point, I think that ends. Like at some point, it's Duke Johnson. Well, it's,
2: I, you know? Yeah, like I, I'm a little surprised they didn't rotate the running backs more on Sunday, right? Because like Elijah Mitchell's not having any, any success. And I just thought Trey Sermon would have been thrown in there at some point just to give the defense ah, a different look. Yeah. Right. And even Jamichael hasty only had five carries. Um, but uh, I, I, you know, Elijah Mitchell played really well in Detroit and maybe he's just way better on the practice field than, uh, than the other running backs right now. But to me, just given that group, like, I'm rotating them more than just making Elijah Mitchell the bell cow. And I do wonder if all those carries were were one of the reasons why he had the shoulder injury. Yeah. And I think, like, Maybe. I wonder, too, like, Kyle Shanahan loves fast running backs and outside zone plays. Fast running backs running those plays collide with defenders, I think, just faster than... You know, like Frank Gore, for example, just kind of like on those power runs would just kind of slither and then fall down, right? Like, yeah. it felt like car- Frank Gore never got hit square. Yeah, like it's a car accident. Half these, half of these outside zone running plays. Yeah. Because these guys build up so much speed and so much momentum. Like, I do wonder if that plays into all this running back attrition that Kyle Shanahan has to deal with. Speaking of, although he didn't in Atlanta. True. Sure. Or
1: I didn't follow him in Cleveland that that tight. But anyways, um. real quick, before we get out of here. I love Frank Gore more than I love any player that's ever suited up for the 49ers. He is my favorite football player. And I am looking forward to being in Canton when he gets inducted into the Hall of Fame. You're going to make the trip. I'm going to make that trip. I've never been to Canton, so that's a good as good a time as any to do it. It's, it's definitely a place. I've heard of all the places in the United <laughs> States and numbers among them. Stop with the signed Frank Gore stuff. I understand. I get it. Chris, yeah. I'm not talking to you right now. I get the desire to see number 21 in red and gold again. I, I get it completely if you want to put 38-year-old Frank Gore in an outside zone running scheme, he is going to fall down the all-time rushing list because (laughs) he's going to lose more yards than he's going to gain. So I love Frank Gore. I hope he signs a one-day contract to retire as a 49er. They will retire. They have de facto retired his number 21 already, and it's going to be retired, and it should, and then he'll go to Canton. He should not be back in a 49ers uniform for a 49ers team that has Super Bowl aspirations.
2: He just doesn't fit. Do you work in talk radio or something? I'm sensing a talk. You're like tired of of some talk radio narrative stuff. No, I'm just on Twitter. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> I do, though. Thank you for bringing it up. I've never brought it up on the show before. I <laughs> produce a radio show at 95% of the game, San Francisco.
2: Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Um, I understand the sentimentality people have, but it would also be just way worse to sign Frank Gore and then for it to just be I don't, a, I don't, a catastrophe.
1: Yeah, I don't want to watch him carry the ball nine times for negative three yards. Right. My lasting memory of Frank Gore is that excellent game he had for them against the Cardinals in 2014. And then he did a lap around the stadium after the game. And it was like, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. I don't need more number 21 in red and gold in my life. Sure.
2: I just don't. Yeah. I don't... Yeah, he's not going to solve any of their problems.
1: No. Think. And I love him endlessly. I can't stress that enough. Yeah.
2: But be objective. I do wonder... Search your feelings.
1: You know I do wonder
2: if Frank Gore, like, could be a running backs coach. Or... I
1: think he definitely could.
2: Like, I, I'm, I'm fairly certain that Gore when he retires if he ever retires officially (laughs) i I think it's gonna ricky anderson it well i think he'll be like a member of the organization in some capacity like he'll work in player engagement or they'll just like make up some bullshit title and just have him around just frank gore (laughs) i mean it it might be in player engagement right like yeah it it might be you know keena turner's assistant or whatever yeah just be with, around. He's he, like the, the, they'll have no problem giving him a salary. No. To uh, to just I will donate. Influence to people.
1: <laughs> Whatever. Like yeah, no. He's he is a legend. He's gonna like I said, have his number retired, and uh, he should be a hall of famer.
2: But they're not they're not hard up for cash. No, in the forty they're fine. they're fine. They're doing okay. Yeah. Teams worth like four billion dollars. They're doing all right. They could probably <laughs> they could probably throw Frank or like six figures just to, you know. So they hang out and like tell the young guys to stop being stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Bring pizza to the media office every once in a oh, while, Oh, please. I'm all about it. He, he did that. He going. did
1: that when he. um. Yeah, his last game. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I brought it up. Yep. Anyways, we're going to get out of here. Do you have anything else on this game?
2: Uh, good win. No. I'm looking. I thought for... It was a good win. Yeah, it was definitely a good win. I mean, not that... their
1: best game, but they still found a way to win.
2: That's the most important. Like style points do not matter. We're not do it's not college football. We're not doing polls. Now like now if they continue
1: playing like this offensively for the next three or four weeks, like okay. Then we can talk.
2: But tough game they feeling, figured it out. I have a feeling that the Eagles defensive line might be one of the best in the league. I th- I think that's probably right. Even without burning Graham so they're not gonna get if, out of here they're not gonna go against that defense every time but no a win's a win it's the nfl 2-0 both road games yeah it's what it's what they needed to do and they did it so that's ultimately positive yep big game against packers we'll preview it
1: later on this week subscribe rate review we'll have a midweek pod we'll have a preview pod really excited to be bringing you all this content love talking football with you guys thanks for listening and we'll see you next time